The Lord did say once to those little children, come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Because, guess what, even adults, us, we can learn a lot from you. We can learn to be faithful like you guys are. Because you can do that sometimes a lot better than we can. So as you guys go and you learn more about Jesus, you learn more about your faith, may the Lord bless you in this, may he keep you in his, in his faith, and may you continue to grow in him. And all God's people will say to you, Amen. Amen. And you guys can go have a Mr. Jesus and go and have a fun time at Sunday school. <laughs> so wonderful to have God's people come and to continue the education of his children. And that doesn't stop even from our young age because we have to continue learning too. And one of the greatest ways that we can learn is through the time we come to God's word and begin to hear the proclamation of his word. So grace, mercy, and peace be to you, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So you know, a couple weeks, we've been talking about the very good gifts of God. We've been talking about how he gives us good things. He gives us life and salvation. And he gives us the wonderful parts of his love. All encompassing love that he won and came for us. Mark here is coming up to the end of a kind of a three-part series that he likes to do. He likes to kind of go into, you know, little themes throughout his book. But the one big theme that he has is actually summarized the entire ministry that Mark has ever done can be summarized in about two sentences. You can be able to sentences, keeping your eye out for them as we hear the story today. Because we do need to finish off the rest of the story. You see, you got Mark here, and we remember from last week, he was just kind of done talking about a rich young man. A rich young man who, you know, was good and holy, had a lot of good stuff, and he was saying, hey Jesus, I'm the best, I'm good, I've kept all of the commandments since I was a young boy. Yeah, right. But, come on, let me follow you. And Jesus says, well then you lack, go and sell everything that you have, give to the poor, then come and follow me. And so now Jesus does as Jesus always does and turns to his disciples, turns to us. Of course, I have to tell you a bit about something you should know going forward. See, each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, treat the disciples just a bit differently. Matthew treats them pretty well. Luke, being the consummate doctor, historian, journalist, I say things as a matter of fact. John is full of love to everyone. Mark is really cruel to the disciples. He's nasty to them. He makes them feel bad. Because the disciples and Mark just look dumb. They, shouldn't, they should know. Mark was actually written by Mark, but from the mouth of Peter. Simon Peter. Simon Peter is telling Mark what to write down. It's his account. Peter doesn't look too good at Mark. He's actually the worst handle than Mark. He looks absolutely atrocious. But the thing about the disciples and Mark is the disciples are always questioning. But they never quite get it. They answer some of the right questions, but they don't receive the answers or don't hear the answers. And this is no different. You see what Jesus has done. He gets done. The rich young man goes away empty. He turns around and he says, how difficult will it be? for the rich men to enter the kingdom of God. And this only astounds the disciples. And he says again and again, Children, how difficult will it be to enter the kingdom of God? 
again, and that's a mystery. The disciples were living in a time where this one truth that they knew, absolutely, was they were raised on it. Their parents were raised on it, and I bet their grandparents were raised on it too, is this one truth. The wealthier you were, the more status that you had in the world, you were closer to God. The more stuff that God blessed you with, the more titles that you had on your shoulders, the more people respected you, that was, that was proof that they were in God's favor. That you were closer to enter the kingdom of God. That, you know, all the old unwashed masses, all the laborers, all the workers, I mean, you can be sure of their salvation. But you can be sure of, you know, the high priest. Because he wore the good things. He had the cool, he had the gold, the jewels, and he even had this nice little breastplate on him that was covered in precious gemstones. He had all of that. He had great wealth and success. Obviously, closer to God. That was what they were raised on. And so when Jesus turned around and says, how difficult will it be for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This closed their minds. It goes against everything they've ever learned, everything they've ever heard. And they're like, wait, Jesus, how can that be? And he says, children, you get a little fed up with them. You've been with them for about three years now. They just don't get it. Remember, he let the little children come to him. Not a couple of verses before. Children who are small, who are seen as nothing in the kingdom of God. He says to them, children, how difficult will it be to enter the kingdom of God? It would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, quick question. How many of you have seen a camel here? How many? In person, not on TV. Okay, that would open a few hands. So, living in St. Louis, we had this wonderful zoo. It was one of the best things about living in that area. You know, you can, except for, you know, heat, humidity, mosquitoes, being in St. Louis in general. <laughs> Cardinals are a terrible team, too. The most boring baseball I've ever been to. But, but, we did have some nice birds. One of them was the zoo. It was a free zoo. You could go in there and you could see so many different animals, and they had great selections. Elephants, bears, penguins that were even closer than you and I were. You could reach out and touch them, and then they would bite you. They don't want you to do that. But one of the things that was really cool was they had a safari zone. And like a safari place where you could see a lot of the different animals. You could see the African animals and all the other animals. And there was a lot of them, and I remember there were three bacterium humped camels. They were the funniest things ever. Because they'd be all shabby, and they'd be all, you know, sitting there. Because, you know, it's a hot, humid, sticky St. Louis weather. Then that thing would come just the right angle, and you would smell And they, you camels don't smell But sometimes they would stand up. They walk around. You know, there's a little fence right there that can come pretty close, but you don't you don't realize standing how far away. Camels are huge. They've got long legs, big giant humps. They're pretty intimidating too. And they try to spit at you, which is even more disgusting. <laughs> they're disgusting creatures, but they're useful. You 
know, the water, they can tan their backs, they were comfortable, they could go longer distance than horses back in the day. They would be used for good things. They were used for merchant travel. They were big, important animals. And Jesus is saying, this large creature, it would be easier for it to go through the eye of a sewing needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's impossible. But you know, some people have said, okay, let's try to make this a little bit more reasonable. Maybe make a different understanding of it. And the early, as early as the ninth century, Christian scholars would actually say that there's another way to look at the eye of a needle. There was supposedly, in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus, a gate. You have to remember, Jerusalem is set up on a very large hill. And surrounded on that hill on all sides are walls, and you need gates to get into the city. Well, at night, all the gates would be closed, because you don't want people to come in at night. Except for one. It's called the Eye of the Needle Gate. It was very tiny, very small. Maybe not so much of a gate, more of a grate. Be even smaller than that gateway that leads into the church. You maybe stand two or three people in there side by side. But me probably just two. But it was so small that a merchant coming through with all this camel, with all this stuff in there, couldn't get through. The merchant had to go take everything off the camel, and I do mean everything. Ropes, blankets, goods, bit and bridle. Everything comes off the creature, so you can push it through. You ever try to push a camel through something and make them go by? Camels will hurt. They'll scream and they'll try to kick you out and they'll get in, you force them in, eventually you can get them in there. It's tiny. You couldn't get there if it had all its possessions on it. Now, whether it would be saying that Jesus was talking about a camel going through the eye of a sewing needle or a camel going through the eye of a needle gate, that doesn't matter. Because what Jesus is getting to at the heart of it is this it is impossible. For any man, rich or poor, to enter into the kingdom of God. That's true. By all the stuff that man can do, all the stuff that he can buy, the stuff that he accumulates on earth, all the good things that he can do, can't go into the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, when they heard how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, they despaired. They said, and who can be saved? Jesus said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Now, I gotta go back. Peter, Peter, Peter. He puts two and two together and gets a fish. Because he says to Jesus, after Jesus gets saved, done, you know, you can't buy your way to heaven. All the stuff that you can do, all the good things in your life that you think can get you in heaven, they can't. So Peter, being smart, says, well, Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. And he was saying, Jesus, we've given up everything. That means we got to be better, right? We gave up our livelihoods. We gave up the comforts of easy living to walk with you for three years you gotta get something good, right? And Jesus says to him, Yeah, yeah. 
And you have left your family, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, and all your things. And all those things will be given to you a hundredfold. Brothers and sisters, goods, wealth, house, and home. With persecutions. And you want to enter eternal life. Many who are first will be last, and last will be first. Same as Peter. Yeah, so. You love them. It's all well and good. Faith in me, you'll gain much more. But you also gain death. You'll gain life. But many who are first will be last, last first. It doesn't matter. Nothing you do will enter you into the kingdom of God. This matter what you give up. It doesn't matter what you do, what you get. Because nothing will get you into the kingdom of God. It is impossible. It would be more likely for a camel, an elephant, or any large creature to go through the eye of a sewing needle, through a very large gate. It doesn't matter. We cannot, by ourselves, by our own power and strength, enter into the kingdom of God. Because it's impossible for man. You see, God didn't make us good. Everything's at home. Because God is a good being. He made each and every one of us. He made us good. Because when God created all things in this world, He created them good. And God still creates things good. You were made good. But when you were born, many of you were born, many of you were conceived, you were conceived with original sin. It was yours by Adam. His sin, he clings to us like a leprosy, a disease that gets down right into our bones. It's not a part of us, but it has now become us. He has become a part of us. Stop us. We cannot enter into that holy gate. We cannot cross the thresholds of the door by ourselves. Because yes, God made us good. He loved us. He made us good. said you see a theme, uh, thing here that Mark was trying to say. It's something that summarizes all of what Mark is saying in his gospel. Jesus says that with man this is impossible. Not with God. All things are possible. God. And you might be saying, Pastor, what does this mean? That means obvious. Well, how does it look? We go into Mark, remember Mark is a book of action. Mark is a gospel written for the person who would never believe in Jesus Christ, who's hearing the story for the very first time, or the third time, or the fourth time, it doesn't matter, is trying to get to a central point. Repent and believe in the gospel. All things 
are impossible with man, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. And what does Jesus do in the book of Mark? But the impossible. Now, I'm not talking about when he raises people from the dead. I'm not talking about when he cures the sick. I'm not talking about when he walks on water or when he drives out demons or he calms a storm. That is not. Is only possible through God, yes, but he also gave the power of the, through the Holy Spirit to his disciples. But that is not what I am talking about. Jesus does something utterly impossible. There was once a man who was born paralytic. That means he was, couldn't walk. Perhaps understand something once again with history. For the Jewish people at the time, your sin was not your own. It was our inheritance. Inherited from your father, your father's father, and all the way back. So they thought that your ancestor must have done something horrible for you to have a physical mark of sin. Whether it be blindness, death, chief priests and the Pharisees who thought that they were the closest to the kingdom of God. And he looked around and he looked at this man and he said, your sin forgive. And at this, the chief priest and everyone grumbled, oh, you can't forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. What you're saying is blasphemy. What you're saying is impossible. Jesus says to them, what's more difficult to say? Sins are forgiven? Would you get up and take out your mat and walk? But so that you may know the power of God, I do this in front of your eyes. And he goes to the young to man and he says, Take up your mat and walk. And immediately the man steps up, takes his mat, and leaves the place. The entire crowd is astonished. Was the miracle that the man walked? No. It's that his sins.
He made the impossible possible. And he gives us that same wonderful treasure to forgive people their sins. It takes a long time sometimes. It takes years sometimes. God calls us to forgive as we have been forgiven. And reconcile as he reconciles us. And that's a true treasure. A treasure that's ours. That holds us. That's not to be kept, but to be shared. To be given to us. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, let us be, let us be bold to forgive. Let us be bold to ask for forgiveness. And even in times when we know that sometimes it's hard to forgive, ask God for strength to forgive. Because Jesus prayed for strength to do his work. So we can pray to God for strength to do our work. Let us wholeheartedly go our communities, friends, or family, and say to them, God loves you, God forgives you. Let us all be reconciled in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.